What's up, everyone? Back for another episode of Locked On Bucks and continuing the conversation from Media Day yesterday. Uh, it's always a fascinating time. Media Day is uh, providing some pretty good content on the old socials, but we didn't really talk about Jordan Wara's contract extension, uh, so we're going to get to that. Uh, we've brought in our salary <laughs> cap contract expert, Frank Madden. Let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show daily and also find my work over at ESPN. And alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. Uh, Frank, you didn't introduce yourself like that in the uh, feature length, the feature length movie. Honestly, the only thing that's longer than that was the Irishman movie. When you sent me that audio clip, I, I, I could not believe what I was looking at. But uh, go back and listen to Frank and JJ and Eric talk about movies and TV and a little bit of basketball mixed in there as well, but I didn't. We at least, to... we at least started. We we had the decency to start with basketball, you know, yeah. just to get yeah. that out of the way. So, yeah, but you didn't. And actually, actually, we finished with some basketball too. I think I think we talked about Jordan Wara at like the very end, which um, I challenged people who made it all the way to the end to tweet at me. And I think Dan Schaefer and one other person tweeted at me today. <laughs> um, who I, I need to find that person just so I can give them a special shout out. Uh, on this podcast but but yeah it was uh you know it was an off-season podcast no there's no doubt about it and you got it in just in time because now we are fully locked back into basketball we thank everyone for making locked on bucks your first listen or first watch uh i've enjoyed scrolling through twitter and seeing the feedback uh, from fans about different quotes different players all the different things but uh, that was a perfect segue talking about jordan war because that's where we're going to start today so we wanted to get to it yesterday. There was too much to talk about. So we had the podcast last week before uh, you guys spoke about it, Frank, and said, okay, well, decision time is looming. What are we going to expect? Uh, I must admit, I didn't really think that he was going to take the final roster spot as it appears that he has for now. Uh, two years, $6.2 million. What can you tell us? Yeah, I mean, I think the last thing I said in the like you know 95-minute mark of... <laughs> of the podcast <laughs> from Friday was, well, I mean, as if the Bucks have this qualifying offer, I mean, he can just take the qualifying offer. I mean, he's not going to end up in the G League or something or, you know, out of right, the league right, or something right. given, you know, he could have just taken the qualifying offer. So, I mean, clearly the Bucks at this point, you could only assume that they were fine with him coming back and who knows what level of interest there may have been from other teams, you know, again, not like anybody was going to offer him big money, but if some team was willing to take a flyer on him, they probably figure like, well, I mean, if we're going to give him, you know, two million bucks a year or something, then the bucks will probably just match it. So what's the point? And everybody moved on. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Again, is there, you know, do they need to pay him $3 million rather than $2 million, which was his qualifying offer amount? I don't know. We can, we can debate that, but um, it's obviously not a, a huge amount of money, but ironically, the, I mean, the biggest takeaway I have from this decision is that once again, 
the Bucks and Bucks ownership have said, fuck it, <laughs> let's run it back. <laughs> and we don't care how much money we're sort of committing on the margins. Uh, because even if you say it's, well, it's only 3 million bucks, right? Easy to use that aggregated in a trade, could be useful, you know, come deadline, depending on whether or not Jordan War is somebody that, you know, distinguishes himself on the floor. Uh, but, you know, and, and we should always offer the caveat when we're talking about you know, total kind of cash outlay, including taxes and payroll and all those things, the tax is not set uh, until you get into the end of the season. So effectively, you know, you have until the trade deadline to, to shed salary effectively. Uh, but, you know, look, if you, you add contracts, it's always easier to, 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 to not do, <laughs> if you're trying to maintain a lower sort of total cost structure, you're, you're better off not adding salary than, than adding salary. Uh, so, so I, I think, you know, net, net, you know, the, the, the multiplier again, as we've talked about on this podcast on the margin at this point, given where the bucks are, how high above the tax threshold they are, there's about a $4, uh, tax hit for every dollar of, of incremental salary. So basically you're bumping your tax bill by, you know, call it around 12 million bucks. In addition to the fact that you're adding $3 million in salary, if Jordan war is on the team throughout this coming season. So, you know, I mean, again, I, I always kind of caution people a little bit because, you know, it's not Jordan War's fault that he's the last guy to join the roster. So to say that they're paying $15 million for Jordan Wara, you can argue that's not entirely correct sort of from a logical perspective. But again, they had 14 guys. They didn't have to add a 15th roster spot as we've been talking about. They could have just kept the open spot, gone into camp, used it, you know, depending on what happened with injuries, things like that, right? try to find your Wesley Matthews of this, of this season guy that you add during the season, but they opted to, to bring Jordan Wara back. And, uh, you know, again, the, especially given just the questions that he obviously has on the court, I think the biggest standout from this is just what it says about the Bucks' willingness to invest in this roster. And uh, now we'll see what Jordan Wara can do on the basketball court. Right. And, I think with Chris Middleton, based on what we heard you know, over the summer and certainly what we heard in media, on media day, Chris out of the cast, but you know, not at the point where he is doing on court you know, work or getting close to five on five. So it sounds like he probably won't be ready on opening night. And of course, Joe Ingles, um, the number one uh, Kane Pittman fan on the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Joe Ingles out for the first few months of the season. So uh you know, we talked about Marjan Beauchamp having a great chance at early season minutes, throw Jordan Wara in there as well. He played a very sneaky 1,200 minutes and started 13 games last year, which I don't know that everybody really kind of processed just how much he played last year and really just didn't score consistently enough to kind of make do, kind of follow through on some of the promise he had in those limited minutes as a rookie. But he gets at least one more chance here this this camp and in this fall to, to impress Mike Budenholzer. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you there's a high odds of, of him kind of falling through and, and really developing into, you know, um, maybe a guy that can give you regular season minutes. He did that even last year to a degree, but I think the real question is, you know, is, is he a guy that could actually get postseason minutes? And we saw where Bud was on Jordan Wara as a postseason contributor during the second round when he really needed wings and he decided to just not play Jordan Wara. So, you know, is there a small chance that, that he breaks through? Yes. Um, 
but uh, you know, again, I think the, the biggest thing I can say about this is I'm I'm impressed the Bucks were willing to pay a pretty high price for the chance that Jordan Wara may still turn out to some turn out to be something, or at a minimum, may be able to be a, a contract that they could use in a trade come come deadline time. I would make a bet that there is going to be a Twitter conversation upcoming in the early weeks of the NBA season. Uh, I don't think you'll be able to find those odds, but you can find other odds though at betonline.net, which is your number one source for uh, football betting this off season. Uh, also some basketball stuff. Uh, Frank, we were having a brief conversation about this. Uh, I think that there's something that's bothering you about the betting lines. Is that right? The uh, Potentially the championship lines. I mean, uh, we've had people ask me, and this is something that I've been tweeted in a little bit. Can you and Frank talk about the Boston Celtics? Maybe we can get to that a little bit later in this podcast. But um, I had a look uh, online, and it, it appears the Celtics are still favorites in, in the East, which seems a little interesting given what we've seen the last uh, last few days slash perhaps week. Yeah, I don't – I mean and, – and look, I've generally been a guy that has respected the Boston Celtics and been fairly high on the Celtics even last offseason when – people weren't that high on them. I, you know, I was always kind of like, this team should be pretty good, you know? And obviously we saw the second half of the season, the postseason run, et cetera. We can debate whether they should have made it out of the second round, you know, if the Bucks are healthy, but hey, the Bucks weren't healthy, right? And the, the Celtics ultimately took care of business and made it all the way to the finals. And, you know, a couple of things break differently. They, they could have won an NBA championship. And uh, certainly the Brogdon move, I think is one that, that you have to like on paper at least. But I mean, it's been a, you know, I, I, I would say a month, a month or six weeks ago, I, I, I'm not really mad about people saying that the, the Boston Celtics should be favorites in the East. I think, you know, I probably would have said like, man, maybe I, maybe I would give them a little bit of an edge in the East just based on their depth. And again, just maybe concern the Bucks are letting things just get a little bit stale, a little bit old. Um, but now I, I just kind of look at it and it's like, what's happened in the last month? It's like, okay. Gallinari out for the year, maybe not the end of the world, right? Uh, but now Robert Williams, a four to six week cleanup on his knee is now an eight to 12 week uh, injury on the knee that that caused him to miss only three or four weeks. And he came back too early and obviously wasn't the same player after that. Um, so who knows what's going on with that, right? I mean, you hope that he's going to recover fully from that injury, but he's going to miss maybe the first you know couple months of the season which obviously, you know, again, doesn't necessarily mean that they can't win a championship because I think they're probably still the odds on favorites to, to at least have the most wins in the East. But now this Yudoka thing, I mean, <laughs> I mean, arguably the, you know, guy who did as good a job as anybody last year from a coaching perspective and all of a sudden he's just gone. And I mean, you know, I don't think we're going to try to legislate like what happened, didn't happen all that stuff with, with this, this really, you know, kind of sensitive issue behind closed doors issue um, with breaking uh, the obviously organizational policies. And again, potentially exposing the Celtics to also some, some legal issues. Um, but the bottom line is like, I mean, is he, what's he going to come back in a year? <laughs> Just act like, we're going to act like none of this happened. I mean, odds are, I would guess he has, he's not going to coach another game in Boston and they lost Will Hardy, their number one assistant, to the Jazz in the offseason, and now Joe Missoula, you know, who the heck is Joe Missoula? I don't know. Uh, he's a th- third-year assistant. Uh, he's going to be leading this team that is, on paper, still the NBA Finals favorites. Like, I, I just can't believe that 
they haven't taken more of a hit so far in the betting markets because between the Williams injury um, and again, just sort of like this whole coaching situation being thrown into chaos. Um, man, the Celtics have just some really weird vibes around the team right now. And already there were kind of those questions about, you know, with Jalen Brown, maybe Marcus Marlowe being thrown into some of the train speculation with Kevin Durant. Um, again, it's, I, I still view the Celtics as, as my number one sort of rival for the Bucks in the East. Uh, but I'm a, I'm a little surprised that there hasn't been more movement from just a betting lines perspective. Cause it just seems like just a lot of, again, just a lot of bad vibes around the Celtics and you're going to debate how important coaches are, but they had a very good coach and now they have a real gap in terms of, of leadership on their, on their bench. And I, I don't know, just a lot of uncertainty for a team to, uh, to come to the season and, and be title favorites at this point, you know? So I don't know. I mean, Again, I hate the Celtics. I lived in Boston too long to like the Celtics, <laughs> but <laughs> I do respect them. But man, this is just uh, this is a lot to go through. I'm just just really curious to see how they kind of manage through this. And obviously, the microscope is going to be on them even more than it otherwise would have been. Um, just a little bit of podcast craft required when it's a 60 second ad read, and uh, you give us a four minute spiel. You, on the you asked my Celtics. question. You asked me things. Yeah, I don't know. That online can get their money. I did. Worth, I did. Right? Uh, look, uh, they'll be happy with this uh, little uh, line we got here at the bottom of the screen here on YouTube. So shout out to Bet Online, fantastic sponsors of the podcast. Um, well, we don't need to come back to the Celtics later in the podcast. So this is great. So at got least it. we've knocked that off the list. So it all works well. But go to Bet Online. It remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information there's live betting up to the minute scores for every sport out there as well so head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more that's betonline where the game starts all right so <laughs> it's interesting by the, by the way about... by the one, one, other, one last note on the celtics i don't know if you saw jalen brown's, brown's comments where he was basically oh. like you know if you talk to Amy doker or whatever he was just like uh, we haven't really heard what's going on and I haven't talked to him. No, just so weird. Right. I mean, just, mm. just a, such a weird situation. Mm. And of course, who knows? Right. I mean, like maybe they're talking and he's just saying that cause he just doesn't want anybody asking want questions. Yeah. Very possible. Right. Or the Celtics may have just told him like, look guys, <laughs> here's a blanket statement. Just act like you got no idea what's going on and, and leave it at that. Right. I, I have to think the team has, you know, a more informed view of, of exactly what, what happened, certainly more than the public knows at this point. Um, but obviously a serious situation and regardless of the realities of what did, didn't happen behind closed doors with Ime Udoka and, and whoever he had this affair with very real impact on the Boston Celtics. And again, this is just the kind of drama that I don't think any team really wants. And, um, I don't know, just, 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 just a reminder, right? I mean, we're seeing with the Suns too, like just some of these teams last year. I mean, the Suns had the best record in the regular season last year. The Celtics have this great run in the into the finals and media day for both teams. Just like really weird, like bad vibes for you know just some very non basketball or off court type reasons. And I don't know. It's just me that you know, obviously media day. Who cares? But um, you have to just wonder kind of how these teams are going to react. And I mean, we see it, right? Like teams look unbeatable, great one year and and just stuff happens and human nature kicks in and weird things happen and then stuff changes. Yeah, I did for a second at least consider the idea that uh, Brattle Stevens might uh, dust off the whiteboard and send himself back to the sideline rather than going with essentially an untried assistant. But anyway, uh, it'll be fascinating. And clearly, if you're a Bucks fan, you're, 
you're following this closely from the encore perspective to see how they start the season and whether it unravels a little bit because it certainly hasn't been ideal. So uh, when the Bucks drafted Marjan Bochamp, you know, I think we had the conversation that this felt like, as far as wings go, because of the point that you referenced that Bud refused to put Jordan Warrer on the floor, even though he'd had significant exposure through the regular season, I think we discussed the idea that Marjan Bochamp felt like a guy that was more uh, Bud, you know, the type of skill set, defense first, defense first, and then, you know, we'll see what comes along, even though he shot the three ball pretty well at Summer League. So we expected that Bochamp was going to get opportunities early in the season, but now Jordan Warrior is back. I am curious to see where the pecking order is in terms of who gets the first minutes here, because I would bet that the Bucks Twitter conversation early in the regular season will be surrounding Bochamp and Jordan Warrior, particularly if it is Jordan Warrior that gets the first look with this team. Now, the investment is different. You know, Jordan Warrior was a second-round pick. Bochamp, the Bucks haven't had many first-rounders recently. They certainly haven't exactly got a strong history with their first-rounders. Um, so you would love to see Bochamp get an opportunity early. But now all of a sudden, we kind of have this battle, and maybe they can both play, but we have this battle that I probably wasn't anticipating was going to happen last week. Yeah, um, I was going to. I was. I was waiting for you to make a Marjan Bud Champ um, joke or, or some sort of well, pun like that the, when you were talking about. I tell you what, or... the minutes. The minutes could be marginal. Uh, that's all I'm going <laughs> to say. <laughs> now they've been split fifty-fifty, so we'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm just thinking about bad puns like. Uh, <laughs> Mar- Jordan may win the battle, but Marjan will win the Wara. I don't know for minutes. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. Just like, especially with Middleton out there, and and obviously Ingles out. There's obviously a gap in terms of of wing availability. I mean, Pat Connaughton and Wes Matthews. I, th- I think you know if, if the Bucks had to play a playoff series tomorrow, much like we saw in the spring, Pat Connaughton and Wes Matthews would be the two guys that you feel like you could count on those are definitely guys that are going to play real minutes. Um, we also have also talked about the fact that Wes Matthews, given his age, probably not somebody that you want to play tons and tons of regular season minutes. They're going to want to mind his wear and tear and, and kind of manage that. And for that reason, I think we both were of the opinion that, you know, we didn't think Wes was going to necessarily just come in and, and continue to start, even though he was the starter late in the regular season into the playoffs and everybody, including Bud, agreed that, that probably, you know, I think everybody was aligned to the fact that that made sense and was the right call. Uh, Chris going out obviously necessitated uh, a change and we saw Grayson Allen eventually go back to the starting five. But, um, but yeah, I think those, both those guys have, you know, Marjan and Jordan Wara both have golden opportunities here to kind of win some minutes. I think the, the hardest part is in the preseason when the main guys are not really going to be playing much anymore anyway, what what does Jordan Wara's game, how, how does that translate? Well, we know it can translate to these garbage time, preseason, whatever type scenarios because he's a guy that can create his own shot. We've seen him, you know, have, you know, I guess I would say his 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 uh, his record in summer league is, is not always not always been great. Um, but we've seen at various points, especially in his rookie year when he had starts, he put up monster numbers. Even last year, 13 starts, 16 and a half points a game. Uh, 42% three-point shooting, and probably about like half of those games were kind of punt games. But he also started a number of games when they actually were 
playing their regular guys. And it was because of, you know, again, people like, like Chris being out. So it wasn't like he was only starting games last year in these weird scenarios, but he also had a number of games where he was going like 40 some minutes. Um, you know, he had more 40 minute games by a mile than, you know, Chris, I think I imagine Jordan Moore had more 40 plus minute games last year than Chris drew and Giannis combined <laughs> in the regular season. Uh, which is just one, obviously one of the weird quirks of how Bud, you know, manages lineups. And again, Jordan's one of those guys when a bunch of people are out, he's just going to play a ton. So, um, so I don't know. We'll see. I, I think at this point you expect Jordan Warren in a preseason type of situation should be able to score points. Um, Marjan Bochamp, obviously we saw him in Vegas, pretty limited role. Um, you know, I think shot really well from three point range and didn't really show much else offensively kind of defensively. I think we saw hints at, at the tools that he has um, and the defensive you know, ability that as you've alluded to, would probably be the thing that that is most going to stand out to, to Mike Budenholzer. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm fascinated to see how that kind of battle for minutes goes. I think both guys are going to get a chance to play early. And, um, you know, I think hopefully it brings out the best in, in both of them, but I think when push comes to shove, when you think about what's going to win minutes in a playoff situation, I mean, Bud's pretty much already sort of shown what, what do you think of Jordan Wara? And, and again, I think Jordan is better than what he put up last year in terms of his numbers, you know, 51% true shooting, you know, slightly under 35% three point shooting uh, after shooting what, like 45%, I think on the really small sample as a rookie, uh, again, subsisting on, on self-created step back jumpers is, is always going to be kind of a hard way to, <laughs> to be an efficient score in the NBA. But um, I don't know. We'll see. And again, I think, especially on a team like the Bucs, which has, as you said, the, the cupboard has been very thin in terms of developing young players. And right now you look at this roster, you know, in terms of young guys, it's it's Beauchamp, it's Jordan War, it's Mamu. And what are the odds of, of any of those guys becoming like real good playoff type rotation guys? You know, I'd say Beauchamp, we probably have the, the most optimism for just because of his defensive toolkit. Um, but with all these guys, there's there's obvious risk, and they're going to have to go prove it. And with Jordan, um, the clock is obviously ticking. And <clears throat> I think the way I would foresee this, you know, having the second year, um, what sounds like second year guaranteed with no options, uh, makes him a little, maybe a little less appealing. Again, unless he has a bit of a breakout from a trade perspective. But I think if you're the Bucks, you know, hopefully he plays well enough that. Um, you know, you at least have some optionality come the trade deadline to, to use that $3 million salary uh, potentially in a trade. Uh, if you want an upgrade, you know, again, if Bochamp plays really well, then you might look at Wara, even if he has played solidly and say, well, we just don't need a guy at that spot. And maybe you move him and, and package him with, again, you know, George Hill's $4 million contract. You have obviously Grayson Allen at eight and a half million. He's another contract that, that could potentially be moved as well. So, um, so I think the reckoning, you know, I think it's this fall is the audition for Jordan Wara. And if he plays, really well, then great. Um, might get traded anyway. And if he plays poorly, then he might get traded simply because again, that contract number just could be used for aggregation in, in a bigger trade. So, um, you know, obviously the Bucks, somebody inside the Bucks org, he has enough people that still see something in him in order to make this investment. But, um, you know, not exactly, I would say that it's not exactly a, an indication that, you know, Bud is suddenly now a believer either because the last time we saw him, very much not a believer. Yes, 
they will. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting because if you project ahead to the postseason, everyone, you know, as we do, talk about a postseason ra- rotation. But yeah, realistically, it's nine guys, ten guys max. So probably Bochamp and War, well, clearly War, are on the outside looking in regardless. But you know, stuff happens later in the season. So the start of the season could be important for them too to put themselves at the front of the pecking order. Uh, I know this was a topic of discussion we had in the group text, in the group message, uh, Frank, is I don't know whether there was a resolution to this. Is there any rules, uh, regulations around what the second year might look like for this deal? We know that you know, the Bucks they, they like to give out player options like uh, like T-shirts at uh, Fiserv Forum after the Bucks hit a three. They like to just they just hand them out. They hand them out. Is, uh, is there any rules? Do we get to the bottom of this? Well, I think, did Eric... <laughs> Did Eric report that that there were no options, or did he just tell us? I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we're breaking news 25 minutes. Hopefully it's correct. I'll tell you what, hopefully it's correct. <laughs> you just put Eric's name to it. Jeez. Uh, a, source, awesome. that, a, that, yeah. a, a source at the Athletic Wisconsin whispered to us that he understood yes. there were no options. Um, but uh, but anyway, so, um, you know, hey, if it was like non-guaranteed or something like that, that would be totally fine in the second in the second year or something but uh, i don't know um i'm 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 guessing it's just just a fully guaranteed second year so um so we'll see but what so playoff rotation if we had to guess if we had to guess at our playoff rotation i would i would say you know whether west is actually starting in the playoffs or not I, i don't know right at some point father time will come for west matthews um as much as i don't want to admit it but you know, I'm just assume Wes is going to be in there, whether he's starting or not. So essentially your starting group, including Brooke Lopez plus Wes Matthews. And then as far as the bench goes, have to think Bobby Portis is, is obviously in there. Pat Connaughton and Bobby are the two guys. You just made huge investments in those guys for the future. So again, even though probably neither of them starts, those are the two guys that I feel confident in saying that, that they're going to play some role. Um, Joe Ingles, presumably, right? You didn't just use your your one um, your one real piece of of offseason flexibility in the taxpayer mid level to bring in Joe Ingles and then not play the guy. Uh, so we'd have to assume Joe Ingles is part of that. And then, I mean, it, it gets kind of funny after that, right? Because I assume Grayson Allen, they will try to get Grayson Allen to to be a key key part of the the kind of playoff rotation. But that now you're already at nine guys, and we haven't talked about a true point guard, right? One of the one of the guards, right? Yeah, because no. Grayson Allen's not. I mean, basically, you're you're saying we're saying like it's it's Drew Holiday and like a bunch of you know non point guards essentially in the rotation. And I mean, again, Giannis and Chris can do a lot. Joe Ingles, part of the there is that you can run, yeah. you know pick and rolls with them and things like that, or you could bring the ball up when you know needed. But I mean, whatever, it's not point Joe Ingles or something like that either. Um, so yeah, it, be, it becomes really interesting because we just named nine guys. We haven't mentioned a point guard. You know, I know you and Justin talked about George Hill and Javon Carter. Um, I mean, that's 10 guys. And like, I mean, the Bucks, Bud hasn't typically gone 10 deep. Normally somebody gets injured. So you, you don't yeah. even really have the option of doing that, right? Like it's really fanciful to think, to talk about in September, how like, oh, how are you going to play all these guys? And then, you know, the playoffs come around and you're missing one of your star players. And, you know, well, they didn't have, so last year, because they brought everyone back. So 
if it's so if we say those 10 guys you know then last year you didn't have chris milton and you didn't have joe ingles right so yeah i mean in a perfect world yeah you got some you got some options there but we know typically it's not a perfect world at the end of at yeah. the end of 82 games but it's deep it's deep for sure and that's why it's interesting with Serge. Uh, you know, go down the list. These guys here, yeah, Bochamp, that you you invest the first round pick, it's it's almost like really really hard to see how they would crack a rotation, regardless. Yeah, I I mean I think, and and look, I I, I feel like I'm a I'll call myself a, a Marjan Bochamp realist. I won't call myself a skeptic because I'm. Uh, definitely no, I mean, you can call yourself a Marjan Bochamp realist. A lot of people want to call you a rookie hater, but we all come up with our own terms for this. Continue. But but that said, um, you know, again, one of the appeals of him is the bar for what he has to become, given his his general right. skill set, is really right. not that high, right? Yeah. He doesn't have to be a great three point shooter. He doesn't have to become like the absolute like best possible version of himself defensively because he should be pretty good defensively you know like his baseline is like probably pretty good defensively his shooting that's obviously a bigger question you hope that what we saw in vegas carries over um and if he just does those two things it's like honestly like in the bucks offense and the bucks defense you know i mean what did wes have to do offensively like just knock down the occasional three and maybe back cut like once every two games and get a layup or something like that like it's not like wes could like dribble or do much of anything up the bounce at this point either. So, um, so I, I think Bochamp is probably the guy who has the, the best line of sight sort of out of those others to, to maybe break through. And, and again, like, this is not to say that I'm expecting to be a rotation guy in the playoffs, but again, just think about a potential matchup against a team like the Celtics and you're having to defend, you know, a lineup that has Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, um, guys that we saw, including Marcus Smart. I mean, Marcus Smart also just like went through the Bucks smaller guards and had no problems just like out muscling them. I mean, he even did that to Drew a few times. Um, so who's going to be able to kind of deal with those types of guys and have some flexibility? Again, Bochamp, I'm not expecting him to play 40 minutes and be a lockdown guy, but at a minimum, you know, he hopefully, you just cross your fingers that he's a quick learner and that he can knock down some open threes because. Lord knows the Bucks seem to have have problems with uh, with the latter issue. Um, and the other thing too is I one other comment just on Jordan Wara. Um, you know, we talked about after his rookie year, he was much better as a pull up three point shooter than he was as a spot up guy. And his his rookie year numbers were such a small sample that it was hard to tell like you know how much of any of that was was real. Uh, but it happened last year again too. I think he was thirty three percent from three like under 33 percent from three spotting up as a rookie and then he was under 35 percent spotting up from three as a second year guy and you know this is a kind of one of those classic problems for college scorers is okay now you're playing fewer minutes shorter stints and you're not really on the ball as much the offense isn't running through you you're gonna get five shots in your you know nine minutes and do you make, you know, one or two out of five, or do you make two or three out of two or three out of five? And some guys just struggle with that, right? I mean, we, we always see that all these all these guys. There's no shortage of guys who are good offensive players in college who just can't, you know, be those the quote unquote microwave scores in in the pros. And our friend Dean Maniat was sort of raising this question that we were 
having some debate about in our DMs today about, you know, this idea of the microwave scorer, which is something that, you know, I'd say optimists might look at Jordan Warren and say like, well, he, you know, if he can just become that like guy off the bench who just can go off and get hot offensively, like that, that's where that's really a valuable thing. And Dean was kind of saying like, do those, do good teams really tend to have a lot of those guys? Like, is that something that like most good teams have? And we were kind of debating it. And, you know, we talked about Jordan Poole and Tyler Harrow who are say much higher volume versions of the, the microwave scorer type guys off the bench. Um, but yeah, I mean, guys who, you know, are like uh, hot and cold shooters and marginal defenders. Yeah, those guys tend not to really be hallmark staples of, of playoff rotations. And at that, this point, that's what that's what Jordan is. And so I think the question is, can can his skill set develop the consistency offensively to, you know, again, allow you to, to tolerate some of the limitations defensively? And look, he's not small. You know, it's not like he's like a small guy, which to me defensively is always a starting point. It's like if you're just like kind of big and you play with focus and effort, you know, like you're not going to be like horrendous, right? If you're like six, yeah. two and 180 pounds, like life's going to be really hard, even if you try uh, in a lot of cases uh, defensively. So, you know, yeah, I'll just say it again. Like cross my fingers for Jordan Wara. Good luck to him. Hope he kind of takes some of the learnings of those first two years and, you know, takes a, a real step forward, but Good news for the Bucks is, you know, they don't need Bochamp, Wara, and Mamu to like all hit and all become rotation guys. There's there's very little room for them in the next year or so anyway to do that. But hopefully, hopefully at least one of those guys, you know, really starts to show some progress because especially Mamu, you know, you're gonna have to figure out what you do with him after his second year on a two-way. Um, you know, if they had kept an open roster spot, I would have said, who knows, maybe they look to convert Mamu late in the season or something like that. But um, but Wara obviously clock is ticking and Bochamp's really the only guy that probably has a little bit of a leash at this point and, and some room and some time to develop. But even so, you know, Bucks fans, we will not be, <laughs> we will not be patient. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can only live with kind of the growing pain so much. Um, but again, if you're Mike Budenholzer, you can live with some of the offensive growing pains if guys are, are contributing defensively, which obviously that's kind of the hope that, that maybe Marjan can carve out a role, uh, through, through that end of the floor. You mentioned the playoff bar is, uh, in terms of skill set, you know, isn't that high for Marjan Bochamp? I would like to uh, further that point by saying if he can top 30% from three in the postseason, he will go down as one of the greatest three-point shooters in Bucks playoff recent history. Uh, so I would like to agree with that. Hey, thanks for making Locked on Bucks your first listen every day. Uh, we'll continue to go through media day. We haven't really broken down exactly what Giannis spoke about from a bigger picture perspective. I thought Drew Holiday was interesting talking about uh, yeah, the fact that he just moved on from the loss to the Boston Celtics. So we'll talk about Giannis, Drew, and and Chris as well. We didn't, we haven't really touched on those uh, on the big three uh, all that much so far. So now for your second listen, make Locked On Fantasy Basketball your your uh, your second listen because Josh Lloyd, fellow Aussie. He hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm sure we've got plenty of listeners who are just starting to get fired up uh, for the fantasy basketball season. Frank, i got to get the heck out of here. i got to get to the arena. Australia is still, you know, Australia is still in the World Cup and they're, they're battling along. They're playing well. U.S., uh, I don't think anyone's even watching the U.S. because they're winning by 90 points every single game. Um, so, look, I guess we've both still got a team that's alive right go, now. Go Opals. Go Opals. That's right. That's exactly right. Exactly right. All right. By, by the way, by the way, we can afford to just like gloss over our our three star players because <laughs> let's be honest, 
this team just there's not enough drama to to really truly really get worried about it, right? They 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 say some nice things, some interesting things, but whatever. At the end of the day, they're not making headlines. The, the only headline was this Steph Curry thing, which to me was like a total like nothing burger <laughs> from Giannis about best player in the world. Like, eh, who cares? Giannis being Giannis. Oh, uh, Matt at Otter at, at Otter at Otter MB. Matt is the other person that got to the end of our uh, ninety minute podcast yesterday. Shout out to Matt. Um, and that's it. You can you can end the podcast, Kane. I'll shut up now. No more ninety minute podcasts this week. You're a special type of person if you can get through a ninety minute podcast just to uh, send in the feedback. And uh, that's a uh, that's some podcast craft uh, from Frank Madden. He knows how to find out who is listening to the end. So we throw a little question to the listeners at the at the very end. So that's why he's a veteran. That's why he's a veteran in the caper. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Continue to talk about media day. Speak to you guys then.